Our reading today is from Luke 12, 32 through 40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near or no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action. Have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Exciting day as we look at the scriptures and how they speak to us in our day and our time as much if not at times more than it did in a time in which the disciples lived and walked upon the earth. What's uh, also exciting is that we use something called the New Revised Common Lectionary. Lectionary is a group of scriptures for scriptures for each Sunday, a psalm, an Old Testament, an epistle, and a gospel. And what it used, or who uses it, is generally people called Methodists, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Catholics. All around the globe, it's this notion that we, on Sunday, all around the globe, as a body of Christ in many different nations, in many denominations, in many languages, are wrestling essentially with the same scriptures each Sunday. And what that can do to mobilize the church, you know, to mobilize the church as one body. So that's the intent. Normally, our tradition is to choose one, a psalm, and then one of the other scriptures. This week, the scriptures support each other and rather than being a standalone, they're dependent on each other in a certain kind of cascade. The first part of the cascade is the psalm, which reminds us that God desires from our hearts thankfulness. God desires the sacrifice of thankfulness, most of all. And this then moves on to the New Testament, where essentially Luke takes about four long parables and puts them into about two paragraphs. And essentially, in those four long parables, the two paragraphs he puts together is this common, you know, basic uh, teachings for a people called Christians who are body of Christ. And they are essentially, he said in that passage, was that we are called to keep our spiritual lamps filled. We're supposed to keep our spiritual energy nurtured. We're supposed to be mindful that the presence of Christ comes among us at all times in all ways. And then, in the Old Testament passage, it gets down 
to the final words of teaching for this week. And what I enjoy about that, it's actually the first chapter of Isaiah. And in that first chapter, uh, chapter verses 1 and 2 and then 16 through 20, and essentially, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, is a huge book. But if you want to get down to the essentials, the essential message of Isaiah for their time and the essential message for the prophet for our time, the message is get back to basics. The message is when your world is falling apart and you don't recognize it anymore and you just don't know what to do, have you ever had that feeling? Have you had it this morning, maybe? When the world seems to be going crazy, what do we do as a people called the body of Christ? Well, what we do is, when the world goes crazy, we get back to basics. You acknowledge that. We have a golf pro as a member of our church. Somebody was sharing with me, went to this golf pro, and somehow just their game had just fallen apart. And I said, well, what, what did, advice did you get? He said, the advice I got was, get back to basics. We started with the stance and the swing. We got back to basics. I'm a fly fisherman. And there are times where you go along something you've done thousands and thousands of times, and all of a sudden, it just all seems to fall apart. And what do you do at that point? You get back to basics. And finally, we as Christians in the body of Christ, when the world goes crazy and we don't know what to do next, well, we do know what to do. It's right here in Scripture. We do what? Get back to the basics. And that's exactly what Isaiah says. On the getting back to basics, The Isaiah passage says, the vision of Isaiah, the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. The prophet says, hear the word of the Lord. And then it goes down. And in the next four verses, Isaiah basically says to them, I hate your sacrifices. You're bringing these live animals to me, bull and sheep and lamb, and you're slaughtering them, and you're burning the fat of the animal at the altar. He said, I despise those sacrifices. And then Isaiah the prophet says what God calls us. Verse 16. The prophet writes, Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widows. Do you hear what I'm saying? The prophet says, get back to basics. 
And then the next passage is one of my absolute favorite of the Old Testament. So after Isaiah, inspired by God, the prophet calls the people to get back to basics, then he does that most wonderful passage where he says, Come and let us reason together. Though your sins be red as scarlet, I shall make them whiter than snow. What a beautiful passage. And then I know some of you here are old enough to remember the presidency of someone by the name of LBJ. How many of you remember that presidency? Let me see some hands. Okay. LBJ was a Southern Democrat, president of our country. Uh, Many times junior congressman up against this old machine said that having a conversation with LBJ was like having a great big hound dog in your lap constantly licking at your face. You absolutely could not ignore this man. And LBJ, one of his favorite things to do with younger congresspeople that weren't ready to get on board, he'd come in and sit them down and he'd say, son, in those days it was son, he'd say, come and let us reason together. But what LBJ didn't include and what I didn't include is the last passage of that. It does say, come and let us reason together. Though your sins are like crimson, I'll make them whiter in snow. It then says, 19 and 20, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? Come and let us reason together. The prophet Isaiah calls us to get back to basics. And when we get back to basics, one of the things that helps us when we spiritually get back to basics is that we need to be able to identify what's wrong before us and name it. When the world goes crazy, we get back to basics And a part of those basics are being able to look at the world and we get so many filters on us, right? We are so shaped and we have so many filters that we justify and we rationalize the craziest of things. Amen? This fire that you see here, I know means a lot in my development. This is 1969. I was still a very young child. In fact, in 1968, we moved to California. But having moved to California, this fire took place in Ohio a year later in 1969, but did shake the consciousness of the United States. Because you see that fire right there? You know what's on fire? The river's on fire. The Cuyahoga, which empties into Lake Erie. The river in 1969 caught on fire because of pollution. When I grew up in Lake Erie, we used to spend our summers there. We used to do what was called the Lake Erie Crawl, which is you would make your normal swimming stroke 
and at the end of the stroke, you'd flick your hand because there's probably going to be garbage on it. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Erie was filthy, and the big industrial rivers there in Ohio, one of them, the Cuyahoga, dumps into the Erie, and that kind of industrial pollution was just supposedly accepted standards until the river caught on fire and it stopped and changed. And just several years ago, the Cuyahoga River was awarded to be one of the cleanest rivers in industrial areas in our entire nation. The Erie has been cleaned up and changes were made. But it happened when finally the river caught on fire and people of good sense were able to look at it and say, this is crazy. It needs to stop. Amen? And so it is in our spiritual journeys today. When we look around us and the rivers of our lives are on fire, then we do not stand confused and helpless victims. Instead, we are called by the prophets and the teachings of Jesus the Christ to return to the basics. And for us, what are those basics? They break down to three. They come from our simple rules for our own order and our walk developed from Scripture by the founder of our movement. And when the world is crazy, the first thing we are called to do, do no harm. We as the body of Christ, when the world's crazy, when we return to basics, the first basic that we're called to is simply do no harm. That makes sense. Can I get an amen? Jesus challenged the disciples here about their preparation spiritually and their service. Jesus also challenges, I know, in Matthew 5. Similarly, tells them to be mindful of self-righteousness. And to, he says, search your heart deeply for right and wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying? Search your heart deeply for right and wrong. He said, don't call out, thou fool. Thou shalt be in danger of hellfire. You know, apart from this, in Matthew, outside of the parables, there's only two occasions in which Jesus talks about hell. Do you know that? Outside of the parables, there's only two occasions. One, he said, hell is received by Number one, those who fail to feed him when he's hungry or give him drink when he's thirsty. That's the first. The second and only other reference, he said, is that experience is reserved for those who harm little children. So how we define or determine what that is 
That's up to each one of us as we wrestle with that question. But we do know what Jesus teaches. That at the bottom line and basis of life, we have to throw off those filters that enable us to rationalize the stupidest and the most difficult, unacceptable things. And we rationalize them and justify them when, frankly, they're just wrong. And we need to do no harm. Does that make sense? Do you hear what I'm saying? There was something I saw that was slightly humorous to me, might not be to you, but for some reason made perfect sense in my illustration today. Question I have for you. What word in the English language is always pronounced wrong? Wrong. You got it. Thank you. God bless you. And that's a psychologist with us. You're absolutely correct. Bless your heart. The word that's always pronounced wrong is wrong. And we know the difference. And when the river's on fire, we as the body of Christ need to claim it. I've quoted, but Lincoln said, and I quote again, it is the eternal struggle between these two principles, right and wrong, throughout the world. They are the two principles that have stood face to face from the beginning of time and will ever continue to struggle. Right and wrong. And some would argue Oh, that's much too simplistic an analysis for the social, economic, cultural realities we deal with in our world. But I would say that's wrong. We deal with right and wrong through the Spirit of God. We know the difference. Secondly today, we Methodist Christians, when the world goes crazy and we don't know what to do next, we return to our basics. And in our basics, one, yes, do no harm. Secondly, do good. It's not enough just to avoid doing harm. Amen? I mean, it's a good thing to avoid doing harm. But we also need to act and to do good. All of us, we are all living on this marvelous footstool. I mean, in the prophet Isaiah, and I think it's way back at passage like 66 chapter, said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, proclaims the creator of all things through the prophet's declaration. The footstool on which we live is beautifully upholstered. It's the living fabric of the biosphere. 
And it is not only our house, but in the original Greek we're told that creation is God's house, God's oikos. Doesn't have a great translation to English, but it's the dwelling of the community. It's the dwelling of the many. It's God's house. Not just ours. And we're a part of it. Wendell Berry, a marvelous poet who also is a farmer, said this quote I thought so wonderful on this topic. He said, whoever really has considered the lilies of the field or the birds of the air and pondered the improbability of their existence in this warm world within the cold and empty stellar distances will hardly balk at the turning of water into wine, which was, after all, a very small miracle. He said, we forget the greater and still continuing miracle by which water with soil and sunlight is turned into grapes. What the Bible might mean or how it could mean anything In a closed, air-conditioned building, I don't know. I know that holiness cannot be confined. When you think you've captured it, it's already escaped. Only its poor, pale ashes are left. It is after this foolish capture and the inevitable escape that you get translations of the Bible that read like a newspaper. He said, holiness is everywhere in creation. It is as common as raindrops and the leaves and blades of grass. But it does not sound like a newspaper. It has the sound of miracle. And we're a part of it. To do good. And the last thing today, and I close on this point, we Methodist Christians, when the world's gone crazy are called to get back to basics as taught to us from Holy Scripture and selected and laid out for us by our founder of our movement. And that is, first, certainly, do no harm. That makes sense, right? Secondly, do good. That makes sense, right? Third, and sometimes more challenging, love God. Genuinely 
bathe in the relationship. Try to stay in love with God through creating quality time in which to nurture that relationship. Because in our teachings, while we may do no harm and we may do good, without the undergirding of the love of God, without the undergirding of the strength of that relationship and being in tune with that creating, vibrating pulse in the universe, we are limited in our capacities greatly. And we limit our vision. But instead, we're called to intentionally nurture that relationship. How often in our lives do we actually put in our calendars, you know, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., God? How often? Oh, we put everything else in our relationships, right? We put every other appointment we have. And God seems to be the relationship we have time for when we get around to it. Well, if we're getting back to basics, today's the day to get around to it. To spend time in Scripture Spend time in meditation and prayer. Spend time nurturing that relationship. That's what Christians do. Among other things. When the world goes crazy. So I close today by saying God bless you all. And if you like me have been shaking your heads. And wondering where do we go next? What do we do next? In this crazy world of ours, hear the words and the teachings of our faith. What do we do? Do no harm. Do good. Love God. Thus ends the message. Thanks be to God. I send you forth as a people in whom the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ continues to walk the face of this good earth. And now may the blessings of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you always. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock.org or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.